0: What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours, and listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. There's, um, there's a story about two farmers, and these two farmers, they had, they had properties or farms adjacent to one another, right close to one another, Uh, and and that region where these farmers were were experiencing a drought, so obviously it affected the crops and it affected their living because there was a a drought, And, and obviously they depend on crops, they depend on the rain so that the fruit can grow and that they can sell their product. But there was a drought in that region, so for months they had been struggling. These two farmers, one of them's name was Hank, the other's name was Tom and Hank would come out every day and would just kind of look out of the sky hoping that it would rain, but there was, you know, the skies were always clear, sometimes was cloudless sky, just see blue, and he would just hope that it would rain. And he would always notice that Tom, who was, had the farm right next to him, would always come out and it seemed like he was always doing something. He didn't know, he, he didn't quite know what, what Tom was working on, but Hank would always look out and just kind of you know, shrug his shoulders and say, I don't, I don't know what he's doing. You know, Um, he's, he's acting like there's, there's already, there's already a harvest, but there's, there's nothing happening. There's no rain. There's no crop. And weeks go by and he notices that Tom begins to build a water dam. And so he's confused by that because there's, there's no rain. There's nothing that, that he needed that for. Some weeks pass, and then he sees that he's building an irrigation system. For those that don't know, it's a system so that water can flow and they can preserve water. And he's building all of this, again, months without rain. And so at this point he just had to stop and ask him a question. He said, like, listen man, I just want to know, are you, are you all like on, on some prescription medications? Are you, are you, are you've you been, you been sipping, you've been sipping something because there is no rain. I don't know what you're doing. And then Tom would always reply to him, there's rain coming. There's rain coming. And then he was convinced he's smoking something. He's, he's on some drugs. He's sipping on something. And I need a little bit of that because this brother, I don't know why, he is gone. he's gone. He's out there. And he would, every day he would see, he, he would say, still building, huh? He would say, there's rain coming. Some more weeks passed by and then all of a sudden, there's some black, dark, gray clouds in the sky. And what was totally clear now began to seem like it was a huge thunderstorm that was about to come down. And obviously, that's exactly what happened. There was a downpour. It was, it was, it was pouring down rain. I'm talking about it was raining cats and dogs. That's an old-school saying for the youngins. We used to say that. We used say, pour, it's, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why, why they say it was raining cats and dogs, but it's just what we used to say. I'm talking about it was pouring. And then some time passed by, and Hank would come out and he would look over at Tom's field and and the harvest and the fruit. It looked so beautiful. And he would look over to his field. And he would just be so upset. He was angry. He was filled with jealousy, with frustration. And he and he would and one time he saw Tom come out and he said, You're so lucky. And he said, This has nothing to do with luck. He said, All it was was preparation and some hope that the rain would come. The difference between Tom and Hank was that Tom managed what he had in his hands. Another word for, for management is a word called stewardship. I'm not sure if you ever heard that word. Stewardship, to be a steward which has more of a, uh, besides a managerial uh, connotation, stewardship has a spiritual implication. So while it is managing, it also has spiritual implications, and the reality is that we're not often taught about stewardship what it means to be a steward and so even within the church a lot of Christians don't understand the true meaning of what it means to be a steward but when you understand when you when you come into these services and at the following weeks and you begin to understand what stewardship means you will understand what it means you will understand what it means to build a legacy because it begins with our families it begins with how we treat our spouses it begins uh, to affect the way we treat our kids it begins to even even affect the approach that we take with our work and our, and our careers, we become grateful for everything that we have, and we live within our means when you're a steward. You're more generous when you understand what it means to be a steward, and we have hope for the future. So let me tell you what it means. The word stewardship, for those who are writing down, I see a couple note takers, I'm just going to toss this definition to you. The word steward comes from from an original Greek word, which means to literally manage a household. So a person doesn't own the house, but manages the house. A steward in the ancient world were trusted with everything and seeing that the floors were clean, to the finances, to the public face of that household. So the steward of a house was somebody that didn't own the property but managed the property, every affair from, from the presentation to how neat the floors were to even the finances and being a face for that household. So my prayer as we go throughout this week is that you begin to understand what our role is and what is God's role. What is God's role in all of this? He is the Creator, in case you didn't know. He is the Creator of all things. He created us and everything that we have on this planet and on this earth, He created it. We are not the creators, but then side note, be very careful of those people that go about life and they give themselves credit for everything and give God no credit for anything. Be very weary of those people that play God for all their accomplishments and everything that I did this. Do you know that God can snatch that away in one second? You gotta be careful of that. Every accomplishment, whether in school, whether at work, make sure that you always have the mindset, everything that I have, everything that I own, everything I've ever accomplished is because God has been good to me. It's not because I have a pretty face, because some of us would get nowhere if it were for our face, including me. (laughs) If it were by your looks, you'll get nowhere. If it were by the way that you, that that, that, that your qualifications and your standards, you will get nowhere. But God said, I have grace, I have mercy, I have purpose, I have giftings, I have talents over this person's life. And so I'm going to bless them because I'm the creator. And so God is the creator. How do I know this? Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. I want you to read it. I don't have it on the screen. I want you to to just listen as I read it. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it, the world and all who live in it. In other words, He is the owner of this world. He is the owner of my talents. He is the owner of my abilities. If I woke up, it's because God said, I want you to wake up this morning. If I'm—even when I'm sick, even when I'm tired, even when I'm done, God says, I, I, I choose to give you life, I choose to give you these blessings, I choose to take it away, I choose to remove people from your life, and I choose to put people in your life. I choose to give you the promotion, and at times maybe you're not ready for the promotion. I choose—I am the creator and you are the created. Everything in the world is because of Him the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it all who live in it so who are we in the equation who are you and I we are the stewards of everything that God has created stewardship is managing God's blessings God's way for God's glory stewardship is managing God's blessings God's way for God's glory And everything in your life, God wants you to be a steward of those things, to manage it His way for His glory and manage it for Him. So we are not the owners, we've been trusted, and that's a privilege, y'all. That is an honor that He says, I want, imagine, imagine, just imagine an owner of, I'm talking about one of those mansions in Calabasas. And somebody just says, listen, just, just chooses you randomly They say, I want you to take care of Some of y'all go crazy. <laughs> Some of you will lose your mind to an Olympic-sized swimming pool, like all of these things. And, God, and, and someone says to you, I want you to be a steward. I want you to manage all of these affairs. God says, everything that I've put within you and everything around you, I want you to manage and be a steward of those things. Here's the challenge about being a steward. Can I tell you the challenge? Is it all right? Can you just nod your head? Are you still with me? Are you doing all right? Let me tell you the challenge about being a steward. We often struggle and we don't put value to things because everything begins in seed form. I'm going to break it down. Tell me to break it down. Break it down. Everything and everyone began as a seed. Before you came to life, you were a seed. Out of the 250 million plus sperm cells, one of those little suckers connected to the female egg, the ova, and began as a seed. This water began as a seed, the container. Somebody had the idea because they were tired of picking up water and doing this. They said, and, and, and they tired of getting leaves and just get, uh, amassing water on, on on leaves, and they said. We've got to create a vessel, so this began as a seed. This phone began as a seed. If you were around 30 years ago, some of y'all weren't born, y'all weren't, y'all weren't even a seed yet. Y'all weren't even a thought in your pe- Some of y'all weren't born, and we had, a, we had big old some—those are—we're gonna, going to show our age. Y'all remember we used to have cell phones that were about this big? It lo- it lo- it looked like—it looked like you were talking on this speaker right here. It's like, hello? The speaker began as a seed. Because before this, people were talking to crowds like this, and there was no microphone, no speaker, and so this began as a seed. Everything that you can think of, this chair began as a seed. This building began as a seed. It began as a thought. It began as something small. And so here's the challenge about being a steward. Oftentimes, we don't value things or value people when they're still in seed form. I shared last week, right, the insignificant seed if you were here, a lot of times when we look at something small, humble beginnings, we don't value it as much. We want to see it already in its great fashion. We want to see it, we want to see the idea develop. We want to see the ministry big and exciting. We want to see things when it's already huge and when it's already been moving, but will you value the things that God put in your life even when it's in seed form? Pastor, this is God speaking to me. Sergio, will you value your ministry even when you just have 10, 15 people in your service? Or do you have to wait to have hundreds before you begin to celebrate your ministry? Before we had two to three musicians, we had one. Before we had tracks, we had YouTube. Before we had more singers, we had one singer. Before you all were here, it was just people meeting in my house. But will you you put your passion into it even when it's a seed? Will you put your heart into it even when you're beginning? Even even before you're walking and before you're running, even when you're crawling? Shout out to the parents. Ain't that beautiful? When you see your your children, when when they, they start doing little things, little by little, they start progressing. Like my baby's two weeks old, she already moving her head around. I'm like, look, let's slow down. I'm like, we just celebrated my, my, my older daughter's two-year-old two year two birthday, and, and I'm like, and I'm looking at my, at my two-week-old, so two years old and two-week-old, and my two-year-old is, y'all yeah, see her. She's off the chain. She's running around. She has a personality. She has giftings, and, and she's so precious and beautiful, but the love, ah, I'm going to speak to somebody. But the love that I have for her at two years old did not begin when she became two years old. It began when she was a seed. Even when she was a seed, when she, before, when she was in her mother's womb, what did we begin to do? We began to prepare a room for her. I hope somebody catches this today. Before we gave birth to her, she had a name. Before we gave birth to her, she had Jordans. I had Jordans when I was in high school. She, I'm talking about a stroller that looked like it had hydraulics. I'm like, what is it? I had the we had the $20 Walmart strollers, the one that you just be. <laughs> listen. Some of y'all don't know about that. Y'all grew up like my daughter Kalea. y'all had the things, y'all screens and she be she be using the iPad and she be you she be ignoring my messages. Y'all on my iPad and my iPhone. She be ignoring them. I'm like, listen, you ain't the owner, you a steward. <laughs> But even in seed form, she had a name. She had value. She had love. She had attention. She had affection. And the problem is we don't pour, uh, uh, our struggle is we, we can often get caught up in not valuing the things when they are in seed form, when they're small. I'm not where I want to be in my career. It's in seed form. A degree... You don't just get a degree overnight, baby. Unless you wanna you one of them jack-legged, bootleg persons that want to get a degree online, and you just you just apply to something, you get an online degree, and you don't you don't put no type of work into it. No, 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 no. If you want to get a degree, it starts in seed form. How does that degree start? It starts with assignments, it starts with classes. It starts with exams, and it starts, and it, and it continues over time. And then, after the time that you put into it, the more that you invest, it it becomes a degree. You don't get the marriage of your dreams just by waking up and looking at your wife or your husband, saying, "This is it just happened organically." No, 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 no. It just, it don't. Ha- Those who are married know what I'm talking. It don't happen that way. Every day, you got to pour a, a pour a little more into it. It's in seed form. It starts with a little communication every day, a little more trust every day, a little more love, a little more affection every day. If you just don't wake up and step into something. It starts in seed form, and you got to pour into it. That skill, that trade, it, you just don't develop. You don't run first. You first crawl, then you walk, and then you run, but the problem is some of us want to run and get ahead because, because we want it now. We want, we want the tree. We want the fruit. We want to we see the, the, the production before we value the seed. And so what I want to teach you over the next several weeks is to value things in your life even when it's in seed form, even when it seems that it's small. So I want to give you three points today if you're writing, if you're writing down. I want to give you three points today about stewardship. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to be teaching on this concept of stewardship, and I'm going to tell you the three things that God has given us, all of us in this room. No matter where we come from, what's our background, whether we have a degree or not, whether, whether we grew up in an affluent neighborhood or we grew up in the hood in the project, it doesn't matter where you came from. Everybody has these three things. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to be sharing about these three things, uh, which I'll get into here in a minute. But let me give you the first point if you're writing down. The first point that you have to understand is that we are all called to be stewards. Everyone in this room. First got to understand that we are all called to be stewards. In other words, we are called to stewardship. Let me tell you what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1. We have that on the screen. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, it says, watch this, God blessed them and said to them, this is God speaking to his first creations. That was Adam and Eve, the first living beings on earth that God created. This is what He said to them. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. Some translations say be fruitful and multiply. It says fill the earth and subdue it. That word subdue is another word for steward or manage. Subdue it, manage it. Be a steward over it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and every living creature that moves on the ground. From the beginning of creation, God said, I want to create people to manage and to steward everything else that I have created. And the three things that God has given all of us to manage and to steward, which I'll be sharing more about over the next several weeks. The first thing is time. God has called us to manage and be stewards of our time. Everyone in this place has been given time. And I know if—I don't know if some of you have felt the same way I have. Sometimes you feel like there is not enough time. Anybody feel that way? There is not enough time. But the reality is that we all have the same amount of time in the day, and God wants us to be good stewards of our time. The next thing that God has given all of us that He wants us to be a steward over our talents. Everyone in this room has talents. You may have a talent. Now, you may be saying, Pastor, I don't think I have talent. Listen, if you haven't discovered it, that's a whole different thing, and I hope you come back because I'm going to share on that. But whether you've discovered it or not, that's not what, what, what I'm mentioning here. The reality is whether you've discovered it or not, the fact still remains that everyone has a talent. You may be a zero at singing. I know you may be in the shower. You think you bombed, like you're the you r and B singer where you You be busting out your me, 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 me when you're in the shower. You may be a zero in that area, right? But there may be another area where you're a ten. You may be a ten at cooking. Some of you are like, nah, that ain't me. That that, that ain't my ministry. See me, some of y'all might be 10 in your, in your field, in your, in your career path. Some of you have s- specific talents, maybe that haven't been a unta- But regardless of what your talent is, whether it's cooking, whether it's singing, whether it's preaching, whether it's teaching, whether it's business, whether it's finance, whether it's um, automotive, wh- whatever it is that God has given you a specific talent for, whether it's music, entertainment, video, film, it doesn't matter what it is, but God has given each individual talents. And so God wants you to manage and be a steward of that talent. Let me tell you the third thing that God wants us to manage. The third thing is to manage and steward your treasure. In other words, your resources. Some of y'all may feel like I don't have enough resources, but everyone in this place has a certain amount of resource within you and around you, and God wants you to be a good steward of your resources, your treasure. So those are the three things that God wants us to be stewards over. Our time, I want you to say with me time. The second thing is talent, say with me talent. And the third thing is treasure. So those three areas God wants, to ma- wants us to manage, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Why does He want us to be a steward over it? Because He gave us an example of stewardship. Jesus Himself gave us an example of stewardship. How do I know that? If you look at the life of Jesus, all He did was steward everything that God gave Him. Amazing. Though over two billion believers in the world. And it stemmed from a man named Jesus of Nazareth that only lived three and a half years, Uh, 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 lived doing ministry for three and a half years. He died approximately when when he was was persecuted and crucified around the age of 33, and he launched his ministry at 30. So for three, almost three and a half years, he began his ministry launch and began to serve people, feed the multitudes, heal the sick, preach love, compassion, unity, justice and righteousness, and all of these things. He did that for three and a half years, and over 2,000 years later, we are still celebrating and living for this man named Jesus. Can you talk about time management? Three and a half years, and 2,000 plus years later we're still celebrating what He's done for us. The life that He lived. Two billion followers throughout the world impacted because of what God did in Him. He was God in the flesh, and God used Him, and He he knew how to be a steward over his time, his talent, and his treasure. And for those who are believers, if you're not a believer, if you haven't really given your life over to Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here because because God brought you here. For those who are believers, can I tell you, you are called to be a steward. Because our call is to be what? Christ-like. And if Christ was a steward over everything that God had given him, then our calling also is is to be stewards over everything that God has given us. So I want you to do me a favor. Look at the person beside you firmly. If you want to shake their hand, make sure that they're not falling asleep. Tell them you're called to be a steward. Just just let somebody know. You're called to... Point at somebody. You're a steward. I'm not saying your name is Stewart. You're called to be a steward. Let me give you the second thing. The second thing is that when you begin to steward what God has given you, it will bring fruitfulness in your life. When you begin to steward, be a steward over the things that God has given you, everything in your life will begin to be fruitful. There is a difference between busyness and fruitfulness. You can be extremely busy and not effective at all in anything. Being extremely busy, if you're not being a good steward and managing it, it's almost like running on a treadmill. You're just running and running and you're not getting anywhere. There's a difference between being busy and being fruitful. What does it mean to be fruitful, Pastor? I'm so glad that you asked. Fruitfulness is when you begin to impact others. How do I know if I'm being fruitful in my spiritual walk? Is your spiritual walk impacting the lives of others? Is, is my business being effective? Is it being fruitful? Is your business impacting the lives of others? Is it bringing solutions to the problems your customers have? Is my degree being fruitful? Are you using everything that you study? Most of y'all say I ain't even using anything related to my degree. Praise the Lord. We gonna pray that the Lord redeem all that time that you, that you didn't spend being fruitful in your, with your degree. <laughs> See when you when when you begin to steward what God has given you, you will begin to be fruit. There's a story, there's several accounts of this story. You might remember this story if you've ever been to church and you went to Sunday school or if you've been here on a Sunday, we might have taught on it. But there was a story about Jesus coming and he began to see the crowds and there were 5,000 men, the Bible says, not including women and children. So you begin to do the math. It could be well over 10,000 people that were in the multitudes and the Bible says Jesus had compassion over the people because they had been hearing his messages. He had been teaching, but the people were hungry that's what I love about Jesus he said I'm gonna give you a word but I'm gonna try to find a way to give you food so that's the kind of ministry I like to be a part of you know when not not only not only is it about giving the word but also relationships and relational because we the, it was about breaking bread through food right we break bread through that fellowship and so he said I want to give you a word but I also want you all to be a part of a community and so he's preaching a word and he said the people are hungry they've been they're tired they've been here all day how can we feed them and he looks at his disciples and he said find a way to feed them <laughs> His disciples are looking at him like he must have lost his mind. There's probably approximately ten thousand people. I know the Bible says there're five thousand. Those five thousand men, not including women and children, in the crowd. And he's saying, "Feed them." He said, "Listen, we don't got that kind of buffet situation for these people to eat." And the account that's stated in John says that there was a little boy that had his lunch. You might remember this story with the loaves and fishes." He just had a, several loaves and a couple fishes, and he had his lunch. Now just kind of follow me because my mind when I read Scripture, I begin to draw pictures in my mind. I begin to kind of try to paint a picture, a scenario in my head, and I started envisioning this because for those that have kids, y'all know that you, it, you can't really trust a kid with walking around with food. Y'all, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I look at my daughter and she just be mashing her food and just be putting it in her face and smearing it all up, but this is, this is a boy. It doesn't, he doesn't have a name, but it says a boy had his loaves and his fishes and that, and that he brought him to Jesus. Now, what seems small, the Bible says that Jesus took the loaves, the fishes, and he began to miracu- miraculously multiply the loaves and the fishes now follow me this little boy what may have seemed insignificant for him a regular day something small how am I going to feed 10,000 people how am I going to be how am I going to accomplish it with the little that you have, will you trust God and say, God, with the little that you've given me, I'm going to be a steward of, I'm going to take care of it, and I'm going to put it in your hands because I believe that in your hands you're able to do greater things than what I can do on my own. I know on my own I'm—come on, yeah, come on, if you're going to give it up, give it up for real. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus, yeah. With the little that I have. It may seem small, but in your hands, God, you can make it great. This little degree may seem insignificant, but God, in your hands, you can do great things in it. My marriage may seem like we're in our, in our beginning stages and we're still struggling financially, but we're going to put our marriage in your hands, God, and we're going to trust you and we're going to believe that you can do the impossible with what we have. And so. This little boy didn't know, but he was stewarding a miracle. Can I tell you what you may deem as small? God is looking for you to put it in His hands so He can do great things with it. This little boy had these small loaves and these fishes, but he said, I'm going to give it into your hands because in the hands of God, our, 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 our blessings, He can make it fruitful. He can make it multiply. When you, whenever you sow a seed. Whenever you plant something, y'all might have remembered doing this back when you were in elementary school, y'all used to do like science projects and some of y'all maybe still have gardens and, and, y- and you, you have a garden that you tend to see that, that, that seed has to go through a process, no? If you want to bear the fruit of an apple tree or a lemon tree or you want to grow banana, what must you first do with that seed? What, what do you have? If you just hold on to that seed nothing is ever going to happen you've got to release that seed you've got to plant it in the right environment in the right soil and then and then you have to water it and you have to put it in the right climate and temperature and it is the same way with everything that god has given if you just sit on everything that God has given you, if you just sit on the blessings that God has given you, if you just sit on your hands with the time he's given you, if you just sit with the finances he's given and you never release it, it will never make an impact in the people around you. It will never be fruitful. It will never multiply. But when you release that thing and say, God, here is my time. Here is my talent. Here is my treasure. I'm going to invest it and I'm going to sow it and I'm going to release it and I'm going to trust you for the outcome. The beautiful thing is when we do that, you will begin to reap a harvest. The beautiful thing about a harvest, it's, it's never a one-to-one ratio. If just one just one head of grain, it brings back multiple. And it's the same thing with everything that God has given us. You will get the harvest out of it when you release it, when you plant it, when you give it over to God's hands. Then you will begin to see fruitfulness. Pastor, my marriage is stagnant. It's not fruitful are you pouring into the seed of your marriage. I got young folks, I'm struggling with my, with my studies, I'm, I'm struggling with this business, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get it off and I'm, I want to get it to launch. Listen, you have to in seed form invest and pour in it. I know it's not sexy and I know that it's not hot when you're struggling. Because th- for Instagram, you, you want to be balling already. Imagine if we go back to that story, can you imagine that, that little boy if he had Instagram? He, when, when the people had their meals already, he'd be, we out here, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> can you, when they all had their meals already. Because it's not sexy when you're struggling trying to figure it out. Nobody wants to Instagram that. And so we're struggling because we're comparing ourselves to people that have already arrived in our eyes, but they never show when they struggle to get there. And so don't get caught up in in wanting to live someone's highlight reel and not know the backstory of how they got there. And it's, 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 it's not sexy when you just have, I'm here walking with a couple loaves and a couple, a couple, a couple fishes. What in the world am I going to, I can't, with a loaf and fish? <laughs> but see, when you release that thing, it will begin to impact others. You will begin to see the fruit that it has in the lives of people. Let me give you, am I helping anybody, by the way? Okay, let me give you this third thing. Let me give you this third thing. Forgive me, I get excited when I start teaching. I know it's only like a few of yeah, y'all, but I'm still, because I'm a steward of this, I'm going to preach to a group of 20 as if there's already 200, 2,000 people in the building. Praise the Lord. Number three, stewardship determines your next season. Steward, your stewardship now will determine your next season. Let me tell you what Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says. Luke chapter 16 verse 10. Look at what it says. Do we have that on the screen? Yes. Alright, watch this. Whoever can be, sh- be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Can I tell you, for those that are taking notes, you won't successfully enter the next season of your life if you, not, if you do not steward the current season that you're in. Stewardship is all about valuing and honoring where you're at in life. You will never value a marriage until you truly value when you were single. Because when you don't value your singlehood, when you get married, you're just gonna wish that you were single. I don't miss singlehood at all. (laughs) I don't care to be single. Why? Because when I was single, I valued and I honored my singleness. So I'm able to successfully enter this season of my life. I don't regret having children. You know, there's some people, let's just keep it real. Sometimes you're like, Lord, have mercy. If I could take it back. (laughs) I know y'all not going to keep it real with me, but you know, I talked to some people. I I know it doesn't happen with y'all because y'all, y'all are, you know, but there's people. If I could take it. See, the reason why I don't regret having children, being fruitful and multiplying is because I first valued my marriage before I entered the season of fatherhood. A lot of people struggle because they want to skip phases, but you got to honor every season. For me, I began as a boy, and then I entered my malehood, and then I entered my manhood, and then my manhood, it it, it transferred over into my husbandhood, and my husbandhood then entered into my fatherhood. I wasn't concerned about skipping stages. I didn't want to become a father before I knew what it was to be a man. And, then, and, and if, uh, you know, you enter, you first you're in your girl, girlhood, then you're in your femalehood, and then you're in your womanhood, and then you're in your wifehood, and then you're in your motherhood. That we often struggle because we, we skip steps and we want to, we're living in fatherhood, but we still have the mentality of a boy. You didn't honor that season that you were in. You got to maximize that season that you're in. I hope I'm helping somebody in this place. See you've got to honor it so that when you enter the next season of your life you will see the harvest and it will be successful and it will, it will be fruitful. You won't successfully enter the next season of your life until you begin to steward the one that you're in. You will never value the house until you value your apartment. You will never value your apartment until you value your room some of y'all can't take care of one room here you are talking about you want a house I'm not speaking to y'all I'm not angry with y'all I'm speaking I'm speaking to the people that's online those who are listening to this message online by the way we love you all thank you for tuning in there's people listening this recording we praise God for you thank you for listening I'm talking to you I don't want y'all to beat me up I want a new car but are you valuing My first car, y'all. Can we talk about it? Yes. Can I keep it real? My first car was, uh, this was in a 2006. It was my first car. I was proud of it because it was mine. Right? Well, I was a steward. Let me tell you. God gave it to me. Let me get that right. I just said it, right? And so God gave me this car, and it, and it was a blessing because we had no transportation in our house. Nobody had a car. Nobody had I was the first one, and so we had to get it. This is my sister. I'm point, That's why I'm looking at her. had like, why are The first one I had, I, we didn't have a vehicle in the house, so I needed something. And, and in 2006, I had a 92 Honda Civic hatchback that was in a, in a junkyard, but somebody said, listen, it's sitting there but, and, and it, it was a mechanic said, I can fix it up, the engine, it, listen, it's not going to be pretty, and, and you might hear some strange noises, but as long as it's running, I said, as long as it's getting me from point A to point B, I will be alright. And we used to have, for those that are familiar with that area, the, we, my family's in Arlington, there's a, there's a hill called Superman Hill where my, it's literally they call it Superman Hill because it's a vicious up, it's a steep hill. And so when I used to have to go up that hill, that car would tremble and it would shake. And you know every time that I would go up that Superman Hill, you know what I was doing? I was praying in the Spirit because I did not want to get caught midway up that hill because I, I feared that I would just start rolling backwards. <laughs> See, y'all, some of y'all never been through those times right. where you had the Lord in Jesus' name. I just want to get the point. I just want to get to work and I just want to get to school. I would never be able to value what I have now if I didn't value my 92 Honda Civic Hatchback. I used to call it my little egg because it was white and it looked like an egg. Where I used to pack that thing out with like six of my relatives, it was a two-door, and it it, so people, they had it, but I valued it. I washed that thing like it was of, of the current year. I, I would get the maintenance on that thing as if it was it was it was a Mercedes. I'm talking about because I valued it in that season. Because if you don't know how to value what you have now, if you don't know how to value a woman when you're just in your relationship, or your man when you're just in relationship, you'll never truly value them to their extent. When you get married, marriage doesn't fix anything. In fact, it amplifies the issues. So what? So but so if you're already in a toxic, I'm going somewhere. I don't even know. This wasn't even in my, my plans, but I'm going somewhere. Praise the Lord. If, if you're already in a toxic situation. Well, if we just get married to fix it, no it would not fix it. Well, if we had kids, no it would not fix it because the next season is determined by how you value the current season that you're in. If I only had a million dollars, you wouldn't know what to do with it. There are there are people that win the lottery that over weeks they lose millions of dollars. Why? Because They didn't know how to manage a hundred dollars, much less a hundred million. When you're faithful with a hundred, you will be faithful with the thousand. When you're faithful with the thousand, you will be faithful with the ten thousand. If you're faithful uh, for those when you, when you have, when you just have five people in the church or when you're faithful when you pick up an instrument and you don't know you just know a couple keys but with those couple keys you're faithful then you can get to learn more I'm going somewhere I hope you're catching it today I know that you're not there yet but are you valuing the season that you are in Bible says if you're faithful with little you can be trusted with much more before I was a pastor I had to be trusted to be a youth pastor Before I was a youth pastor, I had to be trusted to be a kid's teacher. Before I was a kid's teacher, I was cleaning up in the church. If they needed me to move things, I'll move it. If they needed me to attend a service for support or just to be there, I was there. Because you just don't, you just don't jump into this, you got to be trusted, you can't you can't skip the seasons. I know that a lot of times people are in a rush, but could it be that the season that you're currently struggling is a test of your stewardship? Somebody you say, God, why am I struggling with this? Like it's just, and I'm i been in this place. Are you stewarding that season that you are in currently? Could it be a test that before you go to second grade, you gotta pass first grade? That before you get to college, you got to graduate high school. Sometimes they'll skip you cl- they'll skip you grades, but did you get the lesson? Are you getting the lesson for the season? And so, my prayer is that you, is that you change your perspective. You can skip grades, but did you get the lesson? Some people, I, I've been in the same place, I've been in the same seat, anybody, can we keep it real? Anybody ever been in that? I've been in the same, se- but did you get the lesson? Because maybe we're continuously in the same place because God is saying, you need to get this lesson before you step into the next thing. Can I trust you with what you have right now, financially? Can I trust you with this? I'll begin giving and being a generous person when I have in abundance, in excess. I, yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, y'all not even. Generosity doesn't begin when you have excess. Can you, will you have a generous heart when you have little? Even with the little that you have, will you be generous? Even with the little time, will you be a good steward of it? Even with the little bit of resource, will you, will you give it? Sow it so that it can impact, multiply, and affect others. I'm going to close with this. One of the things that is heartbreaking for me and I'm gonna be honest, it's heartbreaking for me. It's something that I pray about. It's something that I, have to, that I have to seek encouragement about. And it's not even related to me. It's about other people. What is that concern? What is heartbreaking? When I meet people that have so much within them, but they don't see it within themselves. When I see people that have so many talents, so much gifting, so much ability and resources. They think that they don't have anything to offer, but you see it in them, and they just sit on everything that they have. Why is it heartbreaking? Because there may be books that are inside of them that will never be written, and they go to the grave with books inside of them. There may be songs, if there were an artist, that they had within them that we would never get to hear because they took it to their grave, because they said, this is nothing. There may be... (laughs) There may be resources that they could have gave to the cause, to God's mission, to advance the kingdom, but they said, no, I have to hold on to it because I need to get my things right and I can't give right now because I don't have abundance and I don't have excess, and then they're gone and they take it with them. Do you know that you cannot take anything with you to the grave? The ancient Egyptians tried to do it. They used to have these, these, these tombs where they were filled with gold. And they would have caskets engraved with all types of gold and gems and ge- because they said, we're going to take it on the- to the next life. But the reality is you can't take it with you. But people hold on to everything. I can't give my time because I don't have anything to give. And so my concern was heartbreaking is when I see people that waste their time, waste their talent, and waste their treasure. Can I tell you? When you begin to steward these three areas of your life, you will begin to see fruit and you will live a fulfilled life. There's a movie, I know some of y'all are young. Y'all, y'all may not remember that movie, but um, there's a movie, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. is called The Bronx Tale. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or, or watched it. Uh, and, and it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and one of the famous lines, of that movie Robert De Niro's NMA his, his, his di- director debut he directed the movie it was, it was, it's, it's, a, it's a great movie one of the lines of the movie says there's no sadder thing if you watched it you remember it than wasted talent what has God given you what has, what has he put inside of you what are the dreams what are the visions that may be in seed form what are the hopes that you have For the next season of your life What are the things that Are you sitting on it Or are you stewarding it Are you wasting it Letting it pass by Because One thing's for certain The one thing you can never get back Is the time that you waste Or misuse And the opposite of stewarding Is mismanaging time, talent, treasure Mismanage it And even abusing of it So my challenge over the next several weeks Is that you join us so that you begin to look at these things in your life, begin to assess it, and ask and reflect, am I truly valuing, honoring, stewarding these things in my life? Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience, but let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also, make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at My Hope Center. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.